You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bible or your device and please go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is where we'll be this morning, and we're really kicking off one of the sections of the book of Hebrews that is probably one of the more famous and most well-known, and I say that because, well, it even gets its own nickname. Some have called it the Hall of Faith, and I'll say that that's not my favorite description of this section of Hebrews, because clearly Hall of Faith is meant to play on uh, the premier collection of athletes, Hall of Fame. And so this is kind of like the premier collection of those who had great faith, and so let's admire their faith. Well, here's the problem with the comparison between a basketball or a baseball or football or even a rock and roll Hall of Fame. They exist to separate the best from the ordinary, They exist to codify the best of the best and to leave all of us duds behind. It exists to elevate. The Hall of Fame doesn't inspire your imitation. Hebrews 11 exists for your imitation. Not for us to think, oh man, look how great Moses was. I'll never be like that. But it exists for you to say, look at the faith that Moses had. You have that exact same faith. You can do the exact same things by faith that Moses did. Hebrews 11 doesn't exist to museumify those who came before us, but to motivate you and to encourage you that these folks were able to live by faith and so are you. Because knowing Michael Jordan's in the Hall of Fame, that doesn't inspire me when I pick up a basketball with my kids. That doesn't make me go, I can be like Michael Jordan. I can be like Mike. Of course I can't. And neither can you. But by faith, that's how Noah lived, that's how Moses lived, and now us with Christ, well, we can do the same. And the writer starts with us learning what faith is and what faith isn't. So that's where we should begin at the beginning of Hebrews 11. And if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word as we do every week. And beginning in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 7, and the Holy Spirit tells us, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made, was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him, by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us 
as we stand here with Bibles open, ready to hear your word, Holy Spirit, would you move among us and open our eyes and our hearts. Encourage us with what faith is, Lord, what you've given us and how we are to live by faith. Help us now, King Jesus. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I only remember one science project as a kid and really my entire school career. And I want to say I was in the sixth grade and I remember watching TV at home and seeing the commercials for Diet Dr. Pepper. And one of them said, you can't taste the difference. And I was at crunch time for my science project. And I thought, here we go. This guy's lying on TV. Of course we can taste the difference. I'm going to do a taste test. So I began my experiment. I did a blind taste test in our Southern Baptist Church's fellowship hall. I don't know how I got permission to do all that. And, and of course, 100% of the people could tell the difference. Everyone knew, oh, this is diet for sure. And I, I proved the Dr. Pepper theory wrong. I disproved a doctor. And I still got a C on my project. And she was probably a die Dr. Pepper fan or a Pepsi fan. Who knows what her deal was? Because I'm confident that everyone could tell the difference. And I'm confident that if we redid this experiment, that you would be able to tell the difference. Hebrews wants us to be able to tell the difference between what faith is and what it means to live by faith and what fake faith is. And what it looks like to really not live by faith. This is why this whole section, as we read, I mean, you just saw, if you look at verse one. Now, faith is, he's defining faith for us. Verse three, by faith. Verse four, by faith. Verse five, by faith. This is going to be the word repeated over and over and over and over throughout this entire chapter. Because he is modeling for us what real faith looks like. And what it really begins here in verses one through three is that faith is reality. Let's look at verse one again. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith isn't blind trust. This definition and insight into what faith is from verse one is a big deal because the way people talk about faith in in our Bible Belt culture, in our Southern culture, and even just in our American culture, this is not the way the Bible uses the word faith. You hear the phrase, well, they're a person of faith. Does that mean the Hebrews 11.1 1 kind of person? No. This could be anyone who ascribes to some kind of religion or some kind of spirituality. It just means they aren't atheists or they aren't agnostic. You hear phrases like, that's your faith. This is my faith. Or that's the Buddhist faith. But the Bible gives a different grid for the word faith. Faith isn't interchangeable with spirituality or it's not interchangeable with moralistic improvement or some kind of ordinary religious way of doing things. That's the way the world talks about faith. But Hebrews 11 gives us a different understanding. And some, sometimes people in the church, we, we talk about faith in, in bizarre ways. And so listen to the ways that Sam Storms says faith is not. I think Sam was really helpful to go, okay, here's what it is and here's what it is not. Sam says, faith is not believing in your heart what your mind otherwise tells you isn't true. 
Faith is not trusting in something for which there are no facts. Faith is not an existential blind leap into the dark. Faith is not putting your trust in something or someone of whom you know nothing. Faith is not the opposite of knowledge. Faith is not the enemy of reason. Faith is not the antithesis of scientific endeavor. Faith is not believing in something that runs counter to obvious and incontrovertible evidence. Faith is not superstition. Faith is not a positive mental attitude. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not a creative power that brings into existence things that otherwise wouldn't exist. And faith is not a weapon through which we get God to do things for us that he otherwise wouldn't do. These are all subtle and wrong ways that we think about faith. We even say things like, I just, you know, I just got to live by faith. And we use that with taking a financial risk. But we rarely ever use that of doing something for the kingdom of God. A job change. On and on. Yes, we should trust God. But this, this is bigger. It's the assurance. What does he say? It's the assurance of things hoped for. Another way, and I think a more gripping way to translate this word is reality. Faith is the reality. It's much better than assurance. It is the reality of things hoped for. It's not in question. It's not a maybe. It's reality. It is the actual state of things. So to have faith in God, to have faith in the crucified and risen Christ means you see it as reality. And not even just that you see it as reality, but you see the reality. It is the actual state of things. You see the actual state of your sins and your life and the life of Jesus and and the universe and God's promises. They are now all coming into view. And you're convinced. Look how he finishes. It's the conviction. This word has a kind of a double meaning. Some translations do proof or evidence. That you, faith is you have the evidence there in faith, and then you're convinced. It's proven to you. It's a conviction. And not in terms of, oh, this is my personal conviction that I don't drink caffeine. That, that's not that kind. It is the conviction. I'm convinced. Convinced by God's word, convinced by God himself, convinced by his promises, convinced by his gospel, and convinced by the bloody cross on which Jesus died for your sins and the empty tomb. And you're convinced that Jesus is alive. I mean, has anyone here seen God? No. Was anyone here, did anyone here see Jesus die on the cross? No, did anyone here see Jesus rise again? No. So why are we here? Because of faith. Because faith is the reality. I don't need to see it. It's just as real to me. Faith is knowing reality without seeing it. Faith is knowing reality without seeing it. It's no less real. The apostle Thomas, he was, when Jesus rose from the dead, a bunch of the apostles saw him 
very short after. Thomas was not there, and they told Thomas, Thomas, Jesus is alive. We, we saw him, and Thomas says, I, didn't, I wasn't there. I don't believe until I see him. And at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus says to Thomas, after Thomas sees him, he says, my Lord and my God, Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you. Jesus has you and me in mind right here. Blessed are you. You have not seen him, but you believe. And I love how first Peter, how Peter describes this. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You haven't seen him, but you love him. Why? Because faith is reality. And it's the reality of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What are these things that we've hoped for? Salvation, redemption, forgiveness. What are things that we have not seen? Christ. Eternity to come. Do you have faith in Christ? And in the same way, we can ask it, same truth. Is Christ real to you? Do you believe Jesus died to pay for your sins, that he rose again? Do you see the reality that he did die and he did rise for you? Do you believe there is no alternate reality? That it's Christ alone, faith alone. And if not, what's keeping you from believing in God? What's keeping you from that reality. Faith isn't opposed to facts and data. But faith in Christ also means I may not get all the answers I'm interested in on my timetable, but I don't need them because I know reality with Jesus. And that even in faith, you get insight into the universe. Christianity can't be simplified to downloading a list of do's and don'ts. It's bigger. It's, It's more consuming than that. You get the reality of the universe, the reality of our lives, the reality of the future to come. Because look at verse three. By faith, this is what faith does, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. He's taking us all the way back to Genesis 1. Now, the rest of Hebrews 11, he is taking us on a hyperdrive journey through the Old Testament. He begins back in Genesis 1, showing creation. God spoke and it happened. Let there be light, molecules moved. Let there be ground, molecules appeared. God spoke every molecule in our universe into existence. And he didn't create from previously used material. He didn't repurpose or recycle things from heaven. He created everything out of nothing. That the things that were made, what is seen, was not made of things that are visible. It was made from nothing. And only God can do this. I mean, did you even feel the audacity of this verse? That all the way back in the first century, you have a group of, of Jewish men and women, Gentile men and women, slaves, tax collectors, and they are all saying together, we understand how the universe was created. Think about how like, wild that would sound back then. Think about how wild it sounds now. 
Oh, I, I know how the universe was created. This is bold confidence in God's word. We may discover new layers of understanding of science, but real science will never disprove what the Bible teaches. This is why Christians, we're not afraid of science. Even some of the best scientists in human history, they were believers in Christ. Because we're not afraid of science. We may discover that we've been teaching the Bible wrong, but science will never prove the Bible wrong. Just like you go back in human history, like when the Catholic Church kind of got angry at some explorers for saying the earth wasn't flat. And they said, no, the earth is flat. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. So we shouldn't be all that concerned about it. Of course the earth is round. We don't understand the universe by theories and evidentiary methods. A key for us today is this. Is the Bible teaching us to understand the world or is the world teaching us to understand the Bible? This is really important for your life, for children. Is the Bible teaching you to understand the world? Or is the world teaching you to understand the Bible? Because faith is reality. It's the conviction of things not seen. It's already been proven to you by faith in God. And reality changes you. This is why the word by faith, why that by matters. Because reality, faith, it changes you. If, if you saw your child running through the house with scissors, it's real. It's not imagined, not pretend, not fantasy. Would you look at that and go, that's probably dangerous. No. If you saw your kid running through the house with scissors, your toddler, you would zoom off of that couch, grab the kid, and put the scissors in a safe place. Because reality changes you. You smell a poopy diaper, you take action. You call for mom, you do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is giving away free food, you cancel all your meetings. I mean, you just do what you have to do. Reality makes us react. Faith is reality. And also, this is, faith fuels us forward. Look at verse four. By faith, Abel offered to God. Now skip down to verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken up. Verse seven, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events is yet unseen. You see that connection all the way back to verse one, the thing, the conviction of things not seen. Noah had yet not seen a flood, but he built the ark because he had reality with God. He built an ark. So by faith, by faith does this, does this. This is the theme of the section, that faith isn't frozen. Faith is a functional power in our lives. It fuels us forward. We know reality and we go with it. So if you know God is real, He's there, and that God is kind, and that God is merciful, and God is gracious, and God's all-powerful, and you know that he's willing to save any who will come to him through the death of Christ and through his resurrection, and that, that if you do believe that, that now you really are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you really are made a new person in Christ, you are no longer, you really are no longer chained by your sins, you really are no longer not, you really are no longer guilty, but now you are not guilty for all the sins you've committed. You now live by that reality. It now changes your entire makeup and life. To live by faith isn't just some corny Christian platitude. To live by faith is to live by reality. 
And let's look at verse four. Look at how it begins. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And though his faith, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So he takes us back to Cain and Abel, the original sibling rivalry. And Genesis 4 shows us these two brothers bringing sacrifices to God, and they came to worship God. And God rejected Cain's offering. He liked Abel's. And if you're familiar with the story, you, you may know some of the details, but why? So why did God like Abel's and not like Cain's? Well, a lot of people will say, well, it's because Cain only offered fruit and it wasn't the first fruits. And Abel, he offered the first of his flock and that's what God likes better. But that isn't why God accepted Abel's offering because Abel gave something better. Remember, this is before the laws of offerings are established. So if if it is based off of the quality of what is offered, then why did Jesus say that the woman who gave two copper coins gave more than all of the rich people? Because it's not based off of the quality of the thing offered, but because of faith. That's why he says, Hebrews 11.4 gives us insight into Genesis 4 saying, it was by faith that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Cain didn't bring his by faith. Cain was going through the motions. He was the original Bible Belt Christian. Just going through the motions, showing up, here's the sacrifice, here's the deal. But faith was there in Abel's heart. And his example still speaks to us. That his worship of God was on faith, on reality, what he knew of God. He moved in his heart and he offered it to the Lord. This means Cain's worship wasn't by faith. It wasn't by reality. All the right motions. Expensive? Yeah. But he wasn't really responding to the realness of God. That's what God's after. God's after those who worship in spirit and in truth. That's why we respond to realness by faith. That's why verse five. Now look at how he builds on this. Verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Incredible. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So in Genesis, we read about this guy, Enoch, a man who walked with God and he didn't die. God just took him right up into heaven. Really amazing story if you think about it. Just didn't die, didn't have judgment, just whoop, taken right up to heaven, right to eternal life. Isn't that your desire? Don't we feel, oh man, I just want to go to heaven sometimes. Isn't that your desire to end up at the end of your life there in eternity with God? Do you want to go to heaven? If you have the option between heaven and hell, which you get to pay, of course you would pick heaven. So how did Enoch get there? Well, Hebrews 11.5 says that now, before he was taken, he was commended. He was approved as having pleased God. Okay, so he, he pleased God. God was happy with him. He was on God's side. So he must have been a really good guy, right? I mean, he must have been so impressive. He probably did a ton of good works. He probably prayed all the time. He probably memorized the first three chapters of Genesis. Of course, we, we don't know about any of that. But here's what we do know. Here's how Enoch was able to go into eternal life. By faith. 
What does it say in verse 5? By faith, Enoch was taken up. It wasn't by his good works. It wasn't by him being a good person. It wasn't by him being a nice moral person. It was by faith. His faith pleased God. Verse, and then verse 5. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible, guys. The way Enoch entered into eternal life is by faith. And the way that you and I enter into eternal life is by faith, by reality with Christ. Beloved, only faith pleases God. That's what he says. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible as a doomed to fail endeavor to try and please God with your good works. To try to satisfy God's standards so that you can get to heaven. The Bible says without faith, we cannot please him. Our good works and our attempts to be good people and our sacrifices and our, our kindness to others and our living to help others and our, our even, I'm not going to do bad things. I'm a pretty good person. I've done more good than bad. These are not enough for God to be pleased and for God to bring you into heaven. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith alone. Faith alone is the only way. Believing that he exists. That God is who the Bible says he is. And that God is there. And that God does reward. God does give blessings to those who surrender to him. Those who seek him. By faith. Well, faith in what? We've been talking a lot about what faith is. But what is my faith in? It's in Reality. What's the reality? God's promises. Who God is. This is God's universe. God's gospel. Faith in God's son. His gruesome cross for you. Him pleasing God for you. If you remember when Jesus was being baptized, a voice came out of heaven. And what did that voice say? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And now by faith in Christ, we hear that said about us, by us being joined to Christ by faith, by reality. Now it is said about me, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Because of faith in Christ alone. His life for yours. His perfection in place of your imperfection. And his sinlessness in place of your sinfulness. Faith is embracing the reality of the gospel and the realness of God's grace. I mean, some of us are working so hard to try to please God. But do you see that faith is what pleases God? Trust and belief in God and his promises is what pleases him. Faith in Jesus Christ. Seeing the reality with Jesus. And faith is a trust fall into God. You know what a trust fall is? Have you ever done a trust fall or seen this? If you've been on some like business retreat and we're going to do trust falls together and all this kind of stuff. A trust fall is when you're just standing there and there's a person behind you and you're just really going to fall backwards. You're just trusting they're going to catch me. Faith is a cosmic trust fall into God and into his gracious promises. And you see, faith brings action. Just like a trust fall, boom, I'm going backwards. But faith feels us forward. Because look at verse seven. How does faith fuel us forward? Verse seven, by faith, Noah 
being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and godly fear and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Have you seen the, the progression of what faith is doing? So just from Abel, by faith, Abel offered, by faith, we worship. And you take Enoch's example, by faith, we get eternal life. In verse seven, by faith, we obey God's word. Noah built an ark. It's incredible to think about. Warned by God, told by God, and this is not yet seen. As events as yet unseen. And that ties you all the way back with verse one. The conviction of things not seen. Noah heard, this is going to happen, from God, convinced. Let's build this ark. It wasn't like Evan Almighty. Remember that movie with Steve Carell and he's Noah. There was not a shred of evidence to Noah's eyes. But since God said it, it was reality. His faith in God's word motivated him with godly fear to build the ark. So you see, faith moves us. Real faith does this. The writer of Hebrews, if you remember, he's appealing to his listeners that they would not turn back, that they would not turn away, that their faith would move them forward. How is your faith moving you forward? What is your by faith? That little word before us helps us understand faith's function in our lives. It's by. Faith is not just a break glass in case of emergency kind of thing. When hard times hit or when suffering hits or lose your job and then, okay, I'm just going to have faith. No, faith is a constant. Faith is always there. What is your by faith? By faith, what would be said of you? by the mechanism of faith. I mean, that word by, it helps us so much to understand faith. Because we go to the grocery store by getting in the car and by driving there. So we understand the word by. We live by faith, meaning we live in reality of who God is. Faith is the car, it's the gas, it's the engine. Faith fuels us forward with God. This is why James says, you can't say you have faith and not have any works. Faith and works go together. This is why you can't say faith is this without including it's by faith. So what is your by faith? Well, it could be any of these things that we've seen already. Just by faith, we understand this world. That it was created by the word of God. And by faith, we worship God. By faith, we get eternal life with God. And by faith, that's how we please God. By faith alone and Christ alone, that it's not my works, it's only Christ. And by faith, we obey God's word. This is what it just begins to mean to live by faith. Faith fuels this kind of living. Faith isn't blind trust. It's reality. It's not wishful thinking. It's, it's life with Christ. Do you have reality with Christ? Do you have the assurance of things hoped for? What are you hoping for? 
You're hoping for eternal life with God, with Christ. Do you believe in Jesus' death and his resurrection for you? Do you have a conviction of things not yet seen, of the eternity to come, judgment day around the corner, and a lamb on the throne? By faith we understand, and by faith we see without our eyes. Hopefully you can taste the difference between real faith and diet faith. Not a wish dream, it's reality. And let's live it together by faith. Let's live together by faith. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.